elusive these days, can't it? I was reflecting on this last week and some of the conversations I've had with people either that were directly involved or indirectly involved um, in, in some just amazing situations. Talking with one family who uh, lost their mom this past week. She passed away and uh, dad had died about a year ago and they weren't even able to be with their father when he died because of the COVID restrictions. And in both cases, they've been severely limited in what they've been able to do to remember their parents who are now both gone. It's hard to be hopeful was uh, talking with a, a woman this week who uh, is three months behind in her rent and uh, again, because of the COVID uh, restrictions and the things that she's been through, it's been difficult for her uh, to try to be fully employed and, um, and now with the uh, rent or the eviction uh, restrictions being lifted, she's concerned that she is gonna be homeless talking with a gentleman who owns an apartment building. And from the other side of that equation, not receiving rent has put him in a very difficult position. He can't make his mortgage payment. Uh, there's a couple of apartments he wants to rent, but he, can't, he doesn't have the money to repair them to get them ready to be rented. It's hard to find hope. It's talking with a family the other day. Their son has been out of work for over a year now. Trying to find a job in this environment right now is just incredibly difficult. And, you know, it wasn't uh, that many weeks ago that I was here and I looked out and none of you were wearing masks. And now a bunch of us are wearing masks again because of the new numbers that are going up. And I heard one of our officials the other day say it could be a long couple of months. And I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty sick of all this, aren't you? It's tough to find hope these days. And so this series that we're doing is really coming at a perfect time. As I said before, we're going to be taking a look these next five weeks at, at some of the visions that were given to the prophet Ezekiel um, 2,600 years ago, almost 2,600 years ago, and yet the message of those visions for God's people in exile are amazingly timely for us today. We're going to be taking a look at these visions that God gave the prophet, and we're going to find hope just as God intended them to find hope then. Now, first, let me just set the scene a little bit for you, okay? This isn't working. Thank you. Let me just uh, set the scene for you a little bit today. When, when the book begins, perfect, thanks. When the book begins, it's the year 592 BC, okay? So about uh, almost 600 years before the birth of Jesus. And just five years earlier, in 597 BC, the king of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, had come and laid siege to Jerusalem and eventually captured that city. And when he captured the city, he did a number of things. First of all, he stripped the temple. Uh, king Solomon had built this beautiful temple to God with uh, lots of gold and fine jewels and things like that. Well, he stripped that temple down just to the bare walls and uh, took everything in the temple with him. And then King Nebuchadnezzar also took about 10,000 people from Jerusalem, inhabitants of Jerusalem, with him into exile. He took all the important people, all the skilled people, um, all the young people, basically all he left behind were the old, the poor, and the infirm there in the city. Now, the prophet Ezekiel was one of those people that was carried off into exile. 
And he was, he was of the priestly family. In fact, uh, he was uh, scheduled to become a priest there in the temple. But now he finds himself, as this book begins, in exile. And in fact, not only in exile, he finds himself sitting by the side of a river outside the refugee camp where he lives there with his family. And we're told it's his birthday. It's his 30th birthday. And the significance of that is it was on his 30th birthday when he should have been getting installed as a priest there in the temple in Jerusalem. And instead, he's sitting outside this refugee camp, no future whatsoever. And there by the river, God gives him two visions that we're going to take a look at together this morning. Now, the first vision, we heard it read before, was pretty strange, wasn't it? These four angels with two pairs of wings and uh, this platform that looks like crystal and wheels underneath each of the angels and eyes on the wheels and um, above the platform a throne and on the throne uh, uh, the image of a man who's glowing brightly and there's a halo around him all. And uh, Ezekiel, as he writes down this vision that he saw, says that what, what he realizes, what he's seeing is he's seeing the glory of God. He's seeing God seated on his throne. Now, the strange thing about that is, and the, the readers of this in, in Ezekiel's day would have been stunned by this, is the language that's used to describe God there on his throne is the same language that's used way back um, in the book of Exodus where Moses encounters God on the top of Mount Sinai. And then the same language that was used to describe the presence of God above the Ark of the Covenant in the tabernacle, that tent of meeting that God's people took with them as they wandered through the wilderness. And it says the glory of God would descend on it and, and God would rest there in the Holy of Holies. And by the way, the same language which is used to describe the presence of God on his throne in the Holy of Holies of the temple that Solomon built. And, and, and so for Ezekiel to have this vision of God on his throne in Babylon, his first thought would have been, God, what are you doing here? What, what are you doing here in Babylon? Your place where you belong is in the Holy of Holies in Jerusalem. But now, here's God in Babylon. Now, of course, as the vision goes on, we find out what God is doing there. Even though Ezekiel can't be in the temple to be commissioned as a priest, God has come to him in exile and is there with him to commission him as a prophet. And, and there's this vision we heard of of how God, God gives him this scroll to eat. And, and literally what God is saying by him eating the scroll is, I'm going to put my words in your mouth and you are going to speak to the people for me. He gives Ezekiel a purpose. He gives him a mission. He gives him something to do, even there in exile. There's this incredible vision of God there that we see described here. And then this is repeated again in Ezekiel chapter 8, and we're given a second vision of that throne, this time there in the temple in Jerusalem where it belongs. Only what's going on around it isn't what you'd expect. There's worship of these other idols happening there in the temple. And then we're told that, that that vision of God's throne rises up from the temple and heads east, heads off to Babylon 
to be with God's people there in exile. So what was God trying to tell the people? Well, I I would suggest to you, I would submit to you, he was trying to tell them two things. He, he, was, he was trying to tell them, first of all, that, that he was going to be with them no matter where they were. Look at these words from Ezekiel chapter 11. He says, I have been a sanctuary for them in the countries where they have gone. There's, there's that, that word, that sanctuary. It's the, it's the same kind of word we would use again for that, for that holy of holies in the, in the temple or in that tent of meeting. God says, I'm not stuck in the building there in Jerusalem. My people are in Babylon. I'm going to be there with my people. And then he was saying this. Not only am I going to be there with you, but your suffering is going to come to an end. There is hope for you. He said to them, I will gather you from the nations, and I will bring you back from the countries where you've been scattered, and I will give you back the land of Israel again. God was giving them two reasons to hope. The first was they were not alone. They were not abandoned. And the second one was their time in exile was going to come to an end. He was going to bring them home. Folks, God has the same thing to say to you and to me today. I love in the beginning of John's gospel, when it talks about how Jesus came among us as a human being, it said, and the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. Literally, the word there is the word became flesh and tented among us. It's the same word that was used for that, that, that tabernacle, that tent of meeting that led the children of Israel through the wilderness and were the symbol of God's presence among them. Literally, what John is saying is God himself left his throne in heaven, just like that vision of God leaving the temple, and came to be among us here on this earth. And you remember I said to you that, that you know, when people heard that vision from Ezekiel of the throne of God there in Babylon, they would have said, what in the world is God doing here? Well, people said the same thing about Jesus when they realized who he was. What in the world are you doing here? What in the world is God doing here? When Jesus would do his miracles or he would reveal himself to, as to who he was, the people were stunned that God was here among us. Remember that one story where, where there's this miraculous catch of fish and Jesus is there in the boat and when Peter realizes who he is, Peter falls to his knees and says, Lord, go away from me for I am a sinner. He was going, what in the world is God doing here among us? Folks, that's God's promise to you and to me. He promises us that his presence in our lives and even more than that, Jesus went on to say this to his followers. He said, in my father's house are many rooms. There's another one of those dwelling place words again. He said, if it were not so, would I have told you that I'm going to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to take you to myself so that where I am you may be also. Folks, Jesus was telling us that 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 vision of hope, that not only is God going to be with us, but there's going to be an end to our suffering, that, that eventually we'll be able to dwell with him forever, that promise was there in Jesus' words as well. Folks, God makes those same promises to you and to me right now today. I don't, I don't know what you're going through right now in life. I don't know whether things are going great or whether you really need a vision of hope today. But I could tell you this, 
God makes two promises to you. The first one is, he promises that he will be with you. And that means everything, doesn't it? When I, when I first became a pastor, you know, they teach you to do all these pastor things, right? And one of the pastor things they teach you to do is they teach you to, you know, like, go visit homebound members, okay? We used to call them shut-ins, I guess. Not supposed to call them shut-ins anymore, so homebound members, right? So you're taught to go visit homebound members. And my first call, I had about 30 homebound members that I would visit every month. And you know what I learned pretty quickly? I'm really bad at that. I remember one particular time here at Trinity, um, Frank Hemmler was the person who was going and seeing our homebound members. I, I wasn't doing it anymore, and Frank was doing that uh, for me. And um, every once in a while, he'd let me know uh, if there was a, 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 someone that he thought I should go see. And one time he told me there was this one couple. He said, they'd really like to see you, I think. You, you should go see them. And so I went, and I took them communion, and I spent some time with them. And at the end, they looked at me, and the gentleman said, Pastor, you know we love you, but is Frank coming back next month? I'm just not very good at that. I'm not, I, I, I'm just, I, I, I'm not compassionate enough. I don't listen well enough, and I'm not very good about it. But, but here's what I've learned over the years. You don't have to be very good at it. People just care that you're there. They just care that you showed up. They, as long as you don't say something stupid, they're just glad that you're with them. Folks, God's promise to you and to me is no matter what's going on in your life right now, He's with you. He has not abandoned you. That's where we can find our hope. And, and here's the second part of that promise. Just like uh, for the children of Israel there in, in Babylon, God's promise is whatever you're going through, it's not going to last. There will be an end. God will rescue you. He will bring you out of whatever that struggle is. That's his promise. And that's where we find our hope. Now, we keep talking about hope, and, and I want to make sure that not only this week, but for every week in the series, if we talk about hope, you, you know what we're talking about. So one last Bible verse for you today. This is from Hebrews chapter 6. It says this, we have this hope as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul. Did you see those words? Sure and steadfast. See, when we use the word hope in everyday life, it doesn't mean sure and steadfast, does it? You know, we might say, well, I hope it doesn't rain tomorrow, but that means it probably might, right? Or, or we might say, I hope I feel better tomorrow, but we're afraid we're not going to. But when, when we talk about hope from God's perspective, it's not like that. The Bible says it is sure, it is steadfast. Another translation translates that word as certain. It is a sure and certain hope. And not only is that, is, is it a sure and certain hope, but it says it is an anchor for our soul. And then there's this weird phrase, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain. What in the world is that talking about? We remember, we, we talked about the presence of God there in the Holy of Holies in the temple. And there, there used to be this curtain that separated the Holy of Holies so, so that the presence of God was hidden behind that curtain. And that curtain was torn in two uh, when Jesus well, died on the cross. And now the writer to the Hebrews says, our hope is based in the throne of God. Literally, our hope is anchored to the throne of God in the Holy of Holies in the temple. It is anchored to God's presence among us. That is where we find our hope. I pray that you would find that hope through Jesus every day. Amen.
Well, we want to uh, continue our worship this morning by singing. Let's stand to sing.